Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back in the book of Second Samuel. We'll be looking at chapters 13 and 14 today. Um, we have um, uh, come to a place where we see, you know, as great as a king David was, as great as uh, he was in all his military victories, and as great as his heart was for the Lord, David still had sin. David still had to deal with things, and a lot of this came from his sin um, you know, with Bathsheba, he had adultery, and then he, um, as we said, he broke the Tenth Commandment for coveting, and then the Seventh for adultery, and the Sixth for murder. He just had all kind of scandal, um, you know, in his own household, and it's it affected his judgment. And it just goes to show you how a little bit of sin in our life can just ruin things. And um, as McGee teaches, that sin in our life today doesn't take away our salvation if we've been saved through Jesus Christ, but it does mean life can be harder uh, for us many in many cases because um, God, you know, cr- you know, He won't let us ignore the sin that that we've committed, and so um, let's jump in. Um, this is a a dark period of time um, in in David's life in many in many ways. In many ways, it's even darker than when um, Saul was chasing him. You know, he was living in caves and stuff when Saul was chasing him. But now he's the king. But it just seems like he's um, his judgment's not quite as good. So let's look at chapter thirteen. Now, Absalom was David's son, and um, had a beautiful sister who was named Tamar. And uh, after a time, Ammon, David's son, so David, he's got two sons. One is Absalom, one is Ammon. David's son loved her, and Ammon was tormented because um, she was beautiful. And basically, um, without going into all the, the details, um, he pretends, to, this Ammon son pretends to be ill he asks his dad, please send Am, uh, Tamar uh, into my chamber, have her bake some things for me so that I can eat and try to regain my strength. And he ends up raping her. 
And what a terrible, terrible um, thing to have to do and have to, of course, read. Um, so after that, we'll, as we're dropping down to 15, chapter, uh, verse 15, then, as it turns out, Ammon hated Tamar with more hatred uh, than the love was that he had for her to begin with. And so um, then Ammon said to her, get up, go, and you know, get out of here, get out of my place. And he, he told his servants to bolt the doors after she left. And, of course, uh, Tamar was, at this point, um, I guess kind of desperate. She was, you know, she was sort of telling her brother, you, you know, in, in not so many words, you know, how can I carry this shame? You know, you've got to marry me. You know, don't send me away. Um, he said, um, speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. In other words, he might bend the rules. Um, you've got to, you know, so he'll let you marry me, you know, this kind of stuff. But he basically sends her out. And then down to verse 20, her brother Absalom uh, said to her, um, has Ammon, your brother, been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived uh, a desolate woman in her brother's brother's house, brother Absalom's house. And when King David heard about all these things, he was very angry. But Absalom spoke to Ammon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Ammon because he had violated his sister. Tamar. And you don't see David doing anything here either. And so it's this lack of discipline in his own household that, as McGee says, kind of stems from his own sin with Bathsheba. After two full years, this is down to verse 23, Absalom um, invited all the king's sons. Um, he had some sheep shearers. Which, and then Absalom invited all the king's sons, and he said, uh, Behold, your servant has sheep shearers. And he came to the king. Uh, this is King David. Please let the king and his servants go with your servants. Um, so the King David didn't want to go. Uh, so he said, you know, the others can go. So as my study Bible points out, it's kind of like Absalom is kind of laying a trap because He's going to invite his brother Ammon, and he's going to end up killing him. But he doesn't want to make it look like he was just inviting Ammon, because Ammon maybe not wouldn't fall for the trap. So he starts off by inviting the king, and then all the sons. The king, he probably knew the king wouldn't go. The sons would, and then he would be able to get uh, Ammon alone. But so um, in any event... Absalom commanded one of his servants, uh, apparently named Mark, to kill Ammon. So it's uh, so that's what he did: strike Ammon, then kill him. Do not fear. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and valiant. So the servants, this was verse twenty-nine of Absalom, did to Ammon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's son arose. And each mounted his mule and fled. So now, you know, uh, 
Indirectly, Absalom gets vengeance on Ammon for raping their sister. So then the news comes to King David. What's he going to do now? You know, the news is as Absalom has struck down all the king's sons, but that wasn't really true. Uh, then they find out later that it was just Ammon. Ammon alone is dead. That's verse 33. But Absalom fled, okay, and uh, as the young, and the young man who kept watch lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, many people were coming from the road behind him. And then, so they're telling, you know, the king about all this. Absalom's, Absalom has fled. Um, Ammon has died. And Absalom spends sort of in exile for about three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom because he was comforted that Ammon, since he was dead. That's kind of an eerie um, bit of passage that after those three years, um, you know, the king, you know, Absalom was obviously King David's favorite son. So he still wanted to go out to him and see him, but, you know, he's in a quandary. He's really in a quandary. He's got sin in his own family. He doesn't want to put his own son to death for murder. It's kind of easier to just let him be in exile. He never punished Ammon for the rape of um, Tamar. Tamar still from all we know, still alive, you know? So his daughter's been raped by one of his sons. He's not doing anything about it. His other son avenges the life, you know? If he brings back the son, he's supposed to put him to death. If he lets the son stay away, it's almost like he's dishonoring the rape of his own daughter. So he's in a quandary. He's in a fix. And so now, apparently Joab... Joab is, is King David's commander, and Joab has been a pretty loyal commander. Joab is probably trying to resolve some of this. So um, what he does is, in chapter 14, um, he goes and brought a wise woman from Tekoa, and they call her the wise woman from Tekoa. So he puts her up to something. He says, pretend to be a mourner and put on mourning garments. Do not anoint yourself with oil, but behave like a woman who has been mourning for many days for the dead. Go to the king and speak thus to him. So Joab put the words in her mouth. So she goes to David and it's almost like, hey, King David, I've got a problem with my two sons. And one kills the other. The basic thing is one son kills the other my husband's also dead. What do I do now? Does the, the son who killed the other, he's the only remaining heir. I have no husband. If my son, remaining son, is, is put to death, my husband's name is forever gone. We have no heir to the property. Um, is there any way you can bend the rules a little bit? That's basically what happened. And so, um, then the king said to the woman, verse 8, 
Go to your house, and I will give you orders concerning you. And the woman of Tekoa said to the king, On me be the guilt, my lord king, and on my father's house let the king and his throne be guiltless. The king said, If anyone says anything to you, bring him to me, and he shall never touch you again. Then she said, Please let the king invoke the Lord your God, that the avenger of blood kill no more, and my son not be destroyed. He said, As the Lord lives, not one of hair of your son shall fall to the ground. In other words, the king, she's sort of buttering him up a little bit, you know, appeal to the Lord your God to kill no more. You know, it's kind of a lofty appeal. It's kind of saying, oh, you're the only one who can appeal to God, and it's also, it's to kill no more. And it's sort of like, let's have some restitution. Let's have some reconciliation. And on one level, David probably wished he had that in his own household. And he wants to do something good probably at this point with all the lousy things going on in his own household. So he chooses the magnanimous thing to do. He's going to help this kid stay alive. And then the woman says, I want to speak with you. And the woman said, verses 13, Why then have you planned such a thing against the people of God? For in giving this decision, the king convicts himself inasmuch as the king does not bring his banished one home again. Wow. She traps him. She, She tells the king, With your judgment, which you can't take it back, you've convicted your own self because you told me to reconcile for my son. You weren't going to put him to death. But why aren't you bringing your own son back? And you're you're affecting the, the people of Israel because... You won't bring the heir to your own throne back. That's something for the people. And you didn't do that. And see, then the king is suspicious now because he just got trapped just like Nathan trapped him with his parable about the sheep. So the king says, do not hide For me, anything I ask you, this is down in verse 18. In other words, don't hold back. I want you to tell me the truth. And the king said, is the hand of Joab with you in all this? In other words, did Joab put you up to this? And then the woman said, as surely as you live, my Lord, one cannot turn to the right or the left from anything that my Lord the king has said. In other words, you can't, you know, no take backs. It was your servant Joab who commanded me, and it was him who put all these words in my mouth. So then the king tells Joab, all right, you can bring my son Absalom back. So Absalom brings, so Joab brings Absalom back, but the king says, don't let Absalom come into my presence. So in other words, there's still... No real full forgiveness here. There's no reconciliation. So he says you can bring him back out of exile. I'm not going to kill him. Just don't bring him in my presence. 
we've got a story of sin. And then we've got a story of lack of forgiveness right here. And sin can destroy a family. But look how a lack of forgiveness can destroy a family. And on one regard, sin just tears a family up. But what family doesn't have to go through sin? So on, on one regard, this is such a depressing story. But on the other regard... Isn't it wonderful how you can have reconciliation? You can have forgiveness in a family. But if you don't, the lack of forgiveness in a family or only partial forgiveness in a family can still destroy the family. So the inner meaning, I think, that I'm getting out of this is how important forgiveness is. 100% total forgiveness can help a family recover from sin. But that's what David didn't have here. So he brings his son back, but he doesn't reconcile himself to his son. He doesn't completely forgive his son. And isn't it interesting how the par- the, when Jesus told the parable of the a prodigal son, how the father completely restores the son. But in this case here, the father does not restore the son so now on down a little bit in chapter 14 Absalom tries to get Joab to come see him Joab doesn't want to go then he sets his feel on fire and then Joab eventually comes and and uh, Absalom says I want an audience with my father arrange it so he does And towards the end, he summoned Absalom. He came to the king, bowed himself on his face to the ground before the king, and the king kissed Absalom. And that's about all that we get as far as the forgiveness. It still, you know, doesn't look like a very good reconciliation. It's not being restored, it's not being forgiven. King kisses him. He's got a blessing. That means he's, you know, the people are going to see Absalom as an apparent heir, you know, to the throne. The king never fully hated Absalom for what he did. He never put him to death. He never searched for him to put him to death. Now he's restored him, but he's never completely restored him. This is the lack of good judgment on David's part. So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. Look forward to hearing your take on this study today. And as always, from me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. And we'll see you here next time tomorrow. And as always... Hello, so today's teaching is coming from 2 Samuel, beginning at chapter 13, verses 1, all the way through to chapter 14, verses 1 through to verse 33. So David um, has made a confession of his sins, as we saw in 
Allah's study. So God has told him that he had caused his enemies, that's God's enemies, to blaspheme God. But God won't give him up. So God won't give any of us up. If we believe and trust in him, even if we fall short of his glory every day, he won't give us up. So David didn't get by with it. The chickens do come home to roost. He didn't get by with it. And God won't let you know us get by with sin. The chickens always come back home to roost. So scripture reads, verse 1, chapter 13. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Absalom, the son of David, loved her. So, this was um, Ammon's, um, not Amnon's half-sister. So they had different mothers, but they had the same father. Verse 2 goes on to read, Amnon was so distressed over his half-sister Tamar that he became sick for she was a virgin and it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimmer, the son of Shimea, David's brother. Now, Jonadab was a very crafty man, verse 4, and he said to him, Why are you, the king's son, becoming thinner day by day? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. So here, um, he's in love with his half-sister and he was, um, you know, he was getting thinner. And his friend could actually see this. But here we also see his, this, um, this Amnon, he's also afraid of Absalom. Verse 5 goes on to read, Now Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat it from her hand. Then Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let Tamar, my sister, come and make a couple of cakes for me in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. And David sent home to Tamar, saying, Now go to your brother Ammon's house and prepare food for him. So David is you know, taken in just as he had done concerning Uriah. So, you know, David is... Um, he is... Um, you know, he has been fooled by um, Ammon. So it's now happening the same way um, to him. So he's being deceived. So, you know, David is being deceived here by Ammon. The same way that he did with um, Uriah. Verse 8 goes on to read. So Tamar went to her brother Ammon's house, Amnon's house and he was lying down. Then he took then she took flour and kneaded it, made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took him, and she took the pan and placed 
them out before him but he refused to eat then Amnon said have everyone go out from me and they all went out from him then Amnon said to Tamar bring the food into the bedroom that I may eat from your hand and Tamar took the cakes which she had made and brought them to Amnon her brother in the bedroom now when she had brought them to him to eat he took hold of her and said to her come lie with me my sister but she answered him no my brother do not force me for no such thing should be done in israel do not do this disgraceful thing verse 13 and i where could i take my shame as for you you would be like one of the fools in israel now therefore please speak to the king for he will not withhold me from you however he would not heed her voice and being stronger than her he forced her and lay with her then ammon hated her exceedingly so that he hated so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love which he had loved her and amnon said to her arise be gone so here this is an awful thing very awful sin that's taking place in the house of david and she was devastated that stammer was very devastated and very distressed verse 16 we're going to read so she said to him no indeed this evil of sending me away is worse than the other that you did to me but he would not listen to her then he called his servant who attended to him and said here put this woman out away from me and bolt the door behind her now she had on a robe of many colors for the king's virgin daughters who wore such apparel and his servant put her out and bolted the door behind her so um he actually kicked her out of his house which was horrid very sad verse 19 goes into read then tamar put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly so she actually she was thrown out of the house and she's in sackcloth and ashes now verse 20 goes on to read and Absalom her brother Absalom her brother said to her has Ammon your brother been with you but now hold your peace but now uh, hold your peace my sister he is your brother do not take this thing to heart so Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house when but when king david heard of all the things he was very angry so david was angry but he did nothing about it he was just very angry david was you know like many other fathers that we have seen here in scripture we've read about he was an indulgent father who actually raised a bunch of very bad kids you know for example you know some of the indulgent fathers we have eli who was God's high priest he had you know kids who were very bad and you know did a lot of horrible things you know by the temple and the father did nothing he just
kept abiding by to it. And then we have Samuel, who also grew up around Eli, around that kind of environment. But, um, you know, he also raised some pretty bad kids. So, you know, there was no discipline from David to his son, Amnon. And, you know, we're going to see his how overindulgent he actually was later on, like when we get to, um, you know, the chapters ahead. So the problem today that is with Christ- in Christian homes is the lack of example and discipline on the part of parents. Rather than just lecture kids in the home, you know, parents ought to do something about it. Parents ought to act. Discipline is important. You know, like the saying goes, the common saying goes, charity begins at home. So the university of discipline has to begin from home before you put out kids out there. But today, we have a lot of kids who are um, self-centered, who are, you know, narcissists. It's about them, um, who are entitled. Those are the kids that we actually have today. So David was an indulgent father. You know, despite Dave, you know, the many attributes of David, the good, great attributes and all, this is one of the darkest spots in David's life. You know, the sin that he committed and he was an indulgent father. Verse 22, he goes on to read, And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. So this is, you know, David's home life. He didn't actually get by with the sin that he actually committed with um, Bathsheba. So Absalom here is just marking time and waiting for the day to come and exact revenge on Amnon. Verse 23, it doesn't read, And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom was shear-sheeping or bill shear-sheeping in, sorry, in Belhazer, which is near Ephraim. So Absalom invited all the king's sons, but Absalom came to the king and said, Kindly note, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be a burden to you. Then he urged him, but he would not go, and he blessed him. Then Absalom said, if not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom urged him, so he let Amnon and all the king's son go with them with him. Now Absalom had commanded his servants, saying, Watch now when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Be courageous and visit valiant so the servants of absalom did to amnon as absalom had commanded then all the king's sons arose each one got on his mule and fled and it came to pass while they were on the way that news came to david saying absalom has killed all the king's sons and not one of them is left so the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the ground and all the servants stood by with their clothes torn. Then Jonadab, the son of Shimeh, David's brother, answered and said, Let not my lords suppose they have killed all the young men. 
the king's son for only Amnon is dead for by the command of Absalom this has been determined from the day that his that he forced his sister Tamar so here um, we see how Absalom plotted to have his brother killed so he threw a party invited all the brothers and you know, this is how he exacted his revenge verse 33 goes on to read now therefore let not my lord the king take the thing to his heart to think that all the king's sons are dead for only Amnon is dead so um, oh, verse 34 goes on to read then Absalom fled and the young man who was keeping watch lifted his eyes and looked and there many people were coming from the road on the hillside behind him verse 35 and jonadab said to the king look the king's sons are coming as your servant said so it is so absalom actually plotted against Amnon, and we actually see this and he killed him and now he has to flee so the other king's sons were invited to the party it looked as if they also might have been slain but that's what the messenger actually meant when he was actually explaining so only amnon was slain only amnon was dead verse 36 goes on to read so it was as soon as he had finished speaking the king's sons indeed came and they lifted up their voices and wept also the king and all the servants wept very bitterly but absalom fled and went to tau my the son of ami had king of geisha and david mourned for his son every day so absalom went to king to king of geisha because his mother was a daughter of the king of geisha so david had actually made a mistake in marrying this foreign woman and you know we had actually was pointed this out when we were in that particular section of the verses of scripture verse 38 goes on to read so absalom fled and went to geisha and was there three years verse 39 and and king david longed to go to absalom for he had been comforted concerning amnon because he was dead so david loved his son his son absalom um and also in one sense it's david's fault the, and he should have dealt with Amnon's sin in a definite way. So Absalom wanted to see what David was going to do, but he did nothing. So Absalom took justice in his own hand. So David missed his son Absalom, you know, because Absalom was more like David. And, you know, in some sense, David was hoping um, Absalom would be his like next heir. So he wanted to bring him back. Absalom was actually the favorite son of David, and he's the son of uh, Mayake, daughter of the king of Geisha, a woman who David actually married during his lapse of faith when he withdrew from the land. And he had two children, very fair-looking, beautiful kids, with her. And unfortunately, David didn't discipline Absalom, the son of a pagan and a bedouin. So Absalom seems to have justified 
clearly to have been justified in one way, since David did not take the matter in his own hands. And when Absalom fled, David longed to have him back, but he didn't do anything about it here as well. Just like, you know, when his daughter was, you know, assaulted by his son he didn't do anything about it so after three years david actually permitted absalom to return to jerusalem in his own house but he wasn't permitted to see the face of the king and this is a half-hearted forgiveness and this brings us to chapter 14 chapter 14 verse 1 reads so joab the son of zeruah perceived that the king's heart was concerned about absalom and joab sent to Tekoa and brought from him a wise woman and said to her, Please pretend to be a mourner and put the mourning apparel. Do not anoint yourself with oil, but act like a woman who has been mourning for who has been mourning a long time for the dead. Go to the king and speak to him in this matter. So Joab put the words in her mouth, and when the woman Tekoa spoke to the king she fell on her face to the ground and prostrated herself and said help o king then the king said to her what troubles you and she answered him indeed i am a widow my husband is dead now your maid servant had two sons and the two fought with each other in the field and there was no one to part them but the one struck the other and killed him and now the whole family has risen up against your maidservant. And they said, Deliver him who struck his brother, that we may execute him for the life of his brother, whom he killed, and we will destroy the heir also. So they would extinguish my ember that is left and leave to my husband neither name nor remnant on the earth so this woman is actually playing and toying on the feelings and emotions of david so david was greatly deceived just as he had you know used deception on uriah it's actually now being used on him um going down to verse 13 and it reads so the woman said why then have you schemed such a thing against the people of god for the king speaks this thing as one who is guilty in that the king does not bring his banished one home again. So David can see in the life of another what should be done, but not in his own life. It's easy to actually just see, like, you know, like, if I were that person, I would do A, B, C, D. But we fail to actually also see. This is actually applicable to, to us. We fail to see, you know, what is wrong in our lives and what we can do about it. And verse 14 goes on to read for we sh- will surely die for we will surely die and become like water spilled on the ground which cannot be gathered up again yes god does not take away a life but he devises means so that his vanished ones are not expelled from him so this woman is wrong uh, at this time um, and you know after this incident david you know in a half-hearted way is willing to, for absalom to actually return home 
We'll drop down all the way to verse 21. And verse 21 reads, And the king said to Joab, All right, I have granted this thing. Go, therefore, bring back the young man Absalom. Then Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, Today your servant knows that I have found his I have found favor in your sight, my lord or king, and that the Lord has fulfilled the request of his servant. So Joab arose and went to Geisha and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, Let him return to his own house, but do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but did not see the king's face. Okay, so this is this was unfortunate and set the stage for Absalom's rebellion that we'll actually see that we'll see in chapter 15. So Absalom was a bad boy. He was a bad kid, raised badly, but you know he was a good politician, and he was clever and crooked and sly and had a good personality he was an extrovert and he was a lot like his father david so he took his station at the busiest gate of the city and men actually um with pumpkins came up to him to the city and required justice and absalom was there to actually hear them uh, comfort and agree with them and he that's Absalom. He failed to present his father to defend the crown. He didn't defend the crown at all and began to actually plot the overthrow of David. But this all goes back to the fact that David would not give him a wholehearted forgiveness. So God uh, forgave David fully when he sinned and not half-heartedly. God said, you know, God didn't say, I forgive you, but you cannot have fellowship with me. God just fully forgave David. So when God actually forgives, he forgives fully. God has forgiven us, you and me. And we need to forgive the same way that God has forgiven. But us being a human, we want to give a half-hearted forgiveness that God has not forgiven us fully. So David should have forgiven him as his setting the stage for the rebellion of Absalom. That we'll see, you know, in our next study. So our God forgives fully. When forgiveness is asked for, it should be extended. You know, many a times, you know, people will come and ask for forgiveness. People who wronged you and me would ask for forgiveness and would, you know, just brush the person aside and not forgive and just be hard-hearted. And we actually expect, you know, blessings from God. God will forgive us fully, so we ought to be tender-hearted and forgive those who have wronged us fully as well. Okay, so this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.